0: God is calling for a spotless bride, sin within the church, and how to deal with it next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules, this is Truth For Today. Good morning and welcome to our broadcast. Our time today will take us to 1 Corinthians, a message simply entitled, Sin and the Church. and The Apostle Paul brings to the forefront a serious concern that he has, as we all should have, when it comes to the purity of the church and sin and how it's to be dealt with. Please join us for a very insightful look at 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
1: My dad had a way of controlling self-expression. You know, no discipline. You see, I've I've seen a generation that doesn't believe in discipline. All the children and and the little uh, little lions running around. No, they've never been loved enough to be disciplined. And so here, he's saying you should have grieved it. And then he goes through here and he says, "Let me tell you some things uh, I want to do. I am gathering with you in a church meeting." Verse three. I'm not physically present with you. And Gordon Fee says he's actually there in the Holy Spirit, which uh, I'd never heard before, but he's there in spirit. And he said, I've already passed judgment. Now, Q&A, we want to come up with this one. I thought we were told not to judge, and now he, he passes judgment. That's a good one, because we're going to come to chapter 6. It says we ought to be judging The affairs of the church. Well, I just said, I thought back in chapter 4, 3, we're not to judge. We're not to judge a man's ministry, not to judge his motives, but we are to judge. And we'll discuss that later. Paul said, I've already judged him as if I were present. And when you're assembled in the name or in the authority of the Lord Jesus, as an assembly, I will be with you in spirit and in the power or authority of the Lord Jesus And we will hand this man over to Satan so that the sinful nature may be destroyed and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. What a powerful debated passage. What is he saying? I'm going to come together according to the Matthew 18 passage where Christ says, If two or three of my people will come together to do what's right towards a brother that will not repent... I'm going to be there and we're going to bind him and we're going to loosen him and put him out into the world, put him out of the fellowship and get him out there in satanic territory so that Satan can inflict all the pain he'll be able to stand. Just like he did on Job, just like the thorn that tormented Paul. God can use Satan to do some dirty work and to discipline you. There's something about being under the umbrella and the safety of a local church in Paul's view that if you're put out of it, you are subject to satanic interference, satanic uh, whatever you take, destroy. Some take it to be they're killed, Uh, not necessarily. They all probably wish the Lord would kill them. But I think they put themselves in great harm's way. So get them out there. You want to act like the world? Get out there. Have all of it you want. God will destroy you in one way or the other. He will wean you of this sin if you're His. If you're not His, you'll just keep going and we'll never hear from you again. Ultimately, we're hoping that the severe pain will lead to a repentance because. We believe you could be saved in the day of the Lord no matter what you've done. As long as God works in your heart and changes you, our goal and our hope is that you on the day of the Lord will ultimately be saved. But you're going to go through some great pain to get you to get right. And once again, if the pain doesn't work, you probably give proof you weren't really a saved person. You were just ruining the church. Then he says something. Uh, Your boasting's not good. And he uses a Jewish uh, picture here of Christ our Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And let me explain what this means. That when they came to Passover, they would get rid of all the uh, yeast in the house, but they really didn't have yeast as a product. They would have some bread that had been fermented with a little bit of yeast. And what they would do once a year is get rid of all of it And they would start the new year with a new batch. Uh, One thing would be hygiene. But the symbolism of it is, get rid of everything that is polluting, that has bacteria. Anything that can permeate or influence. And he's saying to the church, now I want you, when you come together, act like you're celebrating the Passover. And you're celebrating Christ, our Lamb, who's been crucified. And I want you to get rid of all that is leavening the church, that is uh, influencing it, wickedness, malice, sin. In other words, don't be celebrating a crucified Christ while you continue in your sin. May the celebration of Christ as your Redeemer be reflected that you take sin serious enough to scourge it out, to flee it, to break from it, and so he says, God's called us to a perpetual feast. But you can't have the feast with malice and wickedness going on in your heart. You can't enjoy the Savior while you're endorsing sin. Clean house. Clean house. Because we've come to celebrate a crucified Christ. Get rid of the sin. That's what he, and he's just using what any Jewish believer would certainly understand. Clean your house. To celebrate God's deliverance of you. And many times that's exactly what God's saying to you personally. Some of you might be personally tampered in sin and nobody knows about it. I say to you on the authority of this: if Christ is your Savior, when will you clean house? When will you get your mouth cleansed and quit being a slanderer? When will you quit being a gossip? When will you quit cussing? When will you get your act together? When are you going to burn up those playboys? Quit telling me you're struggling with pornography. You can just turn it off. It's a decision. It doesn't just come over the screen and grab you and pull you in. Somebody turns it on. Somebody picks the choices. I just say, Lord, leave me wherever. Oh, there she is. No, no, no. It's a choice. You're making provision to do it. Make no provision to fulfill the lust of the flesh. He's saying, take Christ serious enough to do something about your sin. And then he goes on. Uh, I've written you in my letter, and he's uh, uh, now going to try to clear up some misunderstandings. I've written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, which means you have to move out of the Bay Area. Not at all. Meaning, the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Now, I would say this He gives His permission to be with them, but do you want to run with swindlers? I mean, you can. He says you can. You can associate, you may work with them. They may be your neighbor. Uh, You can have a meal with them. Watch out, watch your wallet, and watch your wife. But you can meet with them, can't you? Now, now this is the problem with, the I think, that's in the church. We get so holy, we don't think we could ever have contact with unsaved people without being contaminated. We're in the world, we're not of it, and part of our isolation is we don't meet with anyone that desperately needs God, and they might be a hell's angel. Would it bother God if he had lunch with a hell's angel? I don't think so. Now, if he's a deacon, that's something different. See, that's why, to me, I can relax the most when I hope everybody in the room's unsaved because there's no standards to enforce. Help yourself. I have no responsibility. i am just, I watch my wallet and I hold my wife close because I know that crowd. I know how they are. I grew up with them. I mean, just watch out and watch that they don't cold cock you because they like to fight. The rowdy bunch, the rednecks in San Pablo were. Man, they were a rough bunch. I know, I know exactly, but you know what? No authority. Then all of a sudden I meet a believer. I, I, I'm having lunch with this guy one day and, and we're driving back and he says, You know, I want to give you something, but I bought it while it was stolen. Will you accept it? Yeah, I think, You're kidding. You're kidding. No, no, he You he, he said you know, I got it hot, but I can give you a good deal on it. He's going to our church, you know. And I said, no, no, he, he's kidding. He, he, he's, he's not serious. And it was an answering machine, and I, I said, wait, 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 wait. I'm from Richmond. I said, hot refers either to chicks or stolen goods. I mean, wait, let me get it. So you're giving me a chick? No, no. I'm giving you a stolen item, but I got a good deal on it. Well, I hope you did. But use it for Jesus. I want to give it to you. Lord, bless this stolen item. Use it for your your glory. In Jesus' name. And and then he he starts telling me how he's living with this chick. And And I'm just a young pastor. You didn't tell me what I just heard, did you? I said, you, you, you say, you're living with her? You mean you live in the front room and she lives in the... Bedroom? He said, you're kidding. He said, bedroom rights go with it. I said, are, are you married? No, no, I'm a Californian. <laughs> well, here we go. So th- that just gave me cramps, you know, because I got to do something now. And we did. Uh, but here's where he's clearing up he writes this letter, don't be running with immoral people, and everybody in Corinth seems to be immoral. So he says, man, who are we gonna run with? He said, whoa, 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 whoa. No, I, I'm specifying, I'm writing you that you must not associate, and this word associate is a constant, intimate uh, interaction. It's not just contact. That it, it, You're very actively engaged with them socially. Uh, Don't actively be involved with people who name the name of Christ, claim to be a brother. They may not be, they may be, but they name the name that is sexually immoral, okay? This is a brother or a sister in the Lord. They claim it. And they're greedy. And the word greedy here is not they just want it, but they would break any boundaries to get it it's strong it's not just I want more but I would break the cheating on taxes let's say uh, cheat a little bit here because if I want it I could justify getting it uh, and that's what that greedy means idolater and he's going to deal with this I'm going to idol temple services uh, I, I'm multi-religion uh, you know greed is idolatry Colossians 3, five. but I think he's probably talking about just visible, I run with the uh, idol's temple crowd a little bit I go to their meetings and then I come to these meetings, if they're practicing idolatry and you know that don't associate with them Uh, or a slander, now we always go after sexual sins but we seldom go after sins of the mouth people can just, we've probably seen more churches torn up by an out of control mouth than an out of control body People just talk, slander, run down, murmur, complain, undermine, put the leadership under suspicion. Hey, that you're doing devil's work. The word slanderer is the word for devil. And he called the women in 1 Timothy 5 that were in gossip circles, he called them she-devils. You're she-slanderers. Stop it. We can't run with you. We disciplined one couple out of this church because he couldn't get his wife's mouth shut up. And so we put him out of teaching and we put him, we recognize him for the church. She's a slanderer and a liar. We want you to know that. And the guy got mad. They found another church. That's what we do today. Few repent and stay, they just go find another church where they treat him a lot nicer. Went down there and she ran off with another man and her character was truly exposed. He, he got mad at us because he thought we were picking on his wife because he couldn't admit she was such a slanderer. But she was, and unless she got saved, still is. A drunkard. Now, he's writing to a wine-drinking culture. There's no cultures in the Bible that are not wine-drinkers. So he's not talking about drinking wine. He's talking about people who get soused out. I mean, drink, drink, until they're intoxicated, they're drunk. He's not talking about people who socially have a glass of wine. He's about people who are intoxicated. Swindler, of course, anyone that will uh, uh, steal and rob. Then he says, with such a man, do not even eat. Oh, boy, this is really giving folks fits. What in the world does that mean? Well, on the surface, it looks like don't eat with them. Do you need the Hebrew on this? Or the Greek? Yeah, let's get let's get deep. Eat. Eat is a present, active, indicative, third person singular from the verb squash. I don't it says don't eat with them. Now, there's different views out there. One, they say don't let them at the love feast. Well, it doesn't say the love feast, but I would certainly think that's included. They had a love feast before the Lord's Supper then they say they shouldn't be given access to the Lord's Supper. I should say so. Be very obvious. But it seems to be, when he does not want you to associate intimately with them, don't be having interaction, and a meal in this culture represented friendship, uh, trust, it was it was not casual eating like we may do. I'll see somebody, you can see them at a, You know, fast food placing. No, it was a big deal to have a meal. And to have those that you would eat with, something was involved here. It's usually friendship, intimacy, closeness. Do not even eat with them. And uh, uh, this is real tough when you have family members that are involved in sin. We've had people wrestle with this. Can I be at a meal? My sister's going to be at Thanksgiving. She's living with a man, claims to be a believer. Can I go to the meal? Well, if your mom and dad's putting it on, please be there. The intruder, I wouldn't miss that. You got to find some wisdom here. Uh, You're not intentionally having meals with these people. I don't think it ever means if we see them in public that we act rude or embarrass them. We just cannot have intimate uh, interaction. And we avoid that, those things that beget friendship because we want to quarantine them until God does his work in them. And if God decides to destroy something in them, you want to stay far enough away from the lightning when it hits that it doesn't hit you. So what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Now, I think you can speak against social injustice, but we don't have any authority, any power. Are you not to judge those inside? I thought we weren't supposed to judge. Uh, well, Well, we'll look at that. Here he says we're to judge. God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. Now, I just raised some discussion questions. The most quoted verse in the Bible today is Matthew 7. Please turn there. I'll kick this off. This first question, then we'll take an offering. So we get, if you've got any questions, write them down. If you totally disagree, we'll burn them up. Uh, look at uh, Matthew uh, 7. Judge not that you be not judged, for by whatever judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And then I've got to look at it after that. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. What is he saying? The Pharisees were authoritative judges and they were judging the people. They were taxing the people. And Christ comes and says, judge not that you be not judged. And he qualifies it. You don't have the right to judge people when your problem is bigger than theirs. You're blind, and you're trying to do eye surgery. You've got a plank, they've got sawdust. Two, you're hypocrites. You don't do the law of Moses anyway. You're not a practitioner of truth, yet you're judging people. Now, notice this. Explain this to me. If I come to a group of people, and I'm to obey Christ when he says this... Verse 6. How do I obey verse 6? Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. How can I obey that verse? I'd have to be able to recognize a dog, wouldn't I? But now, is he talking about visiting the Sioux and don't throw the giraffes your food? Oh, there's the pig department. Don't be throwing out Bible truths to the pigs. He's describing human nature. It's rather brutal. You're not looking, are you? You don't believe me. Look at the verb. Look at it. Look. Don't stare at me. I didn't write this. Do not give dogs what is sacred. I never give sermons to dogs, Jesus. Why would you say this he 's talking about audiences, people who will not value what you have to share, but they will uh, trample them as hogs or uh, just bark at them as dogs or they, in other words don 't take divine truth and give it to people that you see rejected have no appetite for it aren't ready for it don't do it now you have to make a judgment it's unavoidable to obey the verse so this favorite verse today which says people want to make it this way you have no right to judge so while the guy's robbing me and he's taking my wallet don't call him a thief that'd be judging him all i know is i might no longer have my wallet Well, I stay spiritual, Uh, he frisked me, but I'm broke. I lost all my credit cards. Well, he has a good heart. Well, he was a good-hearted frisker thief then. No, you use the word thief. You cannot call him a thief. What you forget is this. God is the supreme judge. And when the supreme judge calls something, If the supreme judge says this is a watch and I call it what he calls it, am I making the judgment or am I agreeing with God's judgment? If God says something is a sin, am I the judge arbitrator or am I following the judge's decision? The church is supposed to be people who follow divine legislation and the judge, the judge of all the universe whom every man is going to face ultimately and stand, and he said, I'm going to judge you according to truth, Romans 2. I'm going to uh, judge you according to your deeds, not your profession. I'm going to do fair judgment, but I would judge you by my law and I'm going to expose you. Did you call it what I did? Because I'm not a crooked politician and I'm not a crooked lawyer, that can change all the terms, and just through the art of sophistry and through the art of law, can make you can win a guilty man a pardon just because he's sharp with the law. But God says, "I'm not a double tongued lawyer. I call it what it is, and you will be judged by that." Now, church, follow divine legislation, and you leave the judgment really in the hands of God. Whatever He calls it, we should call it.
0: Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard is the ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Thank you for spending time with us today. It's our hope and prayer that our time together has encouraged you in your understanding of God's Word, His love and designs and desires for you. As we close out our broadcast, we would remind you that copies of the broadcast are available on CD for just $5. Mention today's date as you contact us at 510 7993171 5107993171 You're also welcome to visit our website valleybible.org we also have our secure online store there as well you can take advantage of other resource materials that we have for your future growth in Christ Again it's all at valleybible.org and again there is a secure store online you can make use of your visa or mastercard right there as always, you're welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We're just off Highway 4. It's that church with the three crosses on the hill, about a quarter of a mile from the Highway 4 I-80 junction. Directions can be found at our website, valleybible.org, or again, simply call 510. 510- Seven nine nine thirty one seventy one, And would you do us a favor? We'd really love to hear from you at this time. To help us understand how the Lord is leading and directing us in this ministry, we need to hear from you to know how the Lord is using this ministry for your walk and growth in Christ. So would you take a moment and jot us a quick note, whether it's an email off of our website, valleybible.org, or writing to us, Truth For Today, Box 5158, Hercules, California, the zip code is 94547, or simply call 510-799-3171. As we want to be wise stewards of what God has entrusted to us, we count these letters and phone calls of real importance to us as we continually evaluate the ministry here of Truth For Today. Thank you for joining us today. We trust we'll hear from you soon, and look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.